0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 6, called The Suffering Servant. In Isaiah
1: 6, when Isaiah got his call from the Lord and his lips were touched and he confessed that he was a man of unclean lips, God said, your ministry will be to go to this people and say, keep on hearing, but you won't hear. Keep on seeing, but you won't see. For the heart of this people has grown dull. Scarcely do they hear, right? That's the idea. But now there's a turn in the book and people are looking at this one who has died on the cross and they are seeing. They are hearing. There's a revelation. The revelation has come come forth in 53 1. It says, Who has believed our message? This is the message of the gospel. If ever the gospel was uh, portrayed, here it is. But who has believed it? The question rings forth. Who will believe such a kind of contradictory situation. See, we, we think that a regal, exalted one is gonna be sitting on a throne somewhere with royal robes, having people fan him and feed him grapes or be at his beck and call, but that's not how he comes. How he comes from heaven to earth is a baby in Bethlehem. He grows up in a place that is disdained by most of the Jews, Nazareth, and then he dies under the curse of God. How is it that we can believe such a report? You could see why the people of Israel might have a tough time with this. You could say, yeah, Isaiah 53 depicts a suffering, dying savior, but there are other scriptures that depict a a conquering king. Who will believe this report? Who will believe this message or our message? Is it your message that you preach And to whom has the arm of the Lord, that's always speaking of the saving arm of God, been revealed? Who will believe this message? See, there is a need for belief. God has done the work. It is paid in full. But will you believe? The prophecy about Jesus is repeated in the New Testament. And the question rings and it will ring until the time that Jesus returns, will you believe the report about this one? Will you believe that God has dealt with your sin in full in Jesus? Go to the Gospel of John for a second. So here's Jesus, he's in his earthly ministry. John 12, he's, he's talking about being lifted up on the cross. John chapter 12, 34. John 12:34 The multitude therefore answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. Middle of John 12:34 How can you say the Son of man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of man? Jesus therefore, John 12:35 said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light in order that you may become sons of light. That's how you get transferred out of darkness into light. These things Jesus spoke, and he departed and hid himself from them. But though he performed so many signs before them, yet they were, notice, not believing in him, that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for this cause they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes, he has hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his, Jesus' glory in context and he spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the ru- rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him lest they should be, notice, put out of the synagogue for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Go to Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, go to chapter 10. So we have a chapter here that's talking about being sent out and preaching the glorious message of salvation in Jesus Christ, Romans ten 15. We've looked at this in previous studies, but here's what it says. How shall they preach unless they are sent, Romans 10, 15. Just as just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet, this is from Isaiah 52, of those who bring glad tidings of good things, However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes, Romans 10, 17, from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The word of Christ's work goes out and saving faith comes as you hear the word of Christ the message of the dying and rising Messiah and place your faith and trust in him. And until you do that, you do not enter into the light. See, the, the salvation message is this. And Isaiah foresaw it and John witnessed it. And here it is. You must believe the report. You must believe the confession of the gospel. We are not there We don't have video footage of it, but we have a written gospel. Go back to Isaiah. A message delivered to us. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It must be preached and it must be believed. And the report is that this one came, the servant of Yahweh, to save. Notice some other things about him. 53, 2 in Isaiah. For he grew up before him, There's a distinction between the he and the him here, implying the Trinity. He, the servant of Yahweh, Messiah, grew up before him. He was always in God's watchful eye, like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. When I look at parched ground, I think of humanity. When the servant of Yahweh came, he came fully human part of our understanding of what we call Christology is that Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. And one thing to kind of keep in the back of your head as you look at this is ask yourself this question because it appears from what we know from the language of Isaiah that Jesus looked like an average guy. There was not a halo over his head when he was walking around the galilee region or moving down to jerusalem when they came into the garden of gethsemane and the question is whom do you seek they say jesus of nazareth they don't know who he is he's not more lit up than others there's not an arrow going bring 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 bring, bring messiah right he was fully human he experienced what we experience He was just like us. And here's the question. If you were there, if you were among the religious elite, if you were one of the lay people who heard, you know, of him, and maybe you came upon him, and maybe you even saw him do a sign, would you believe? Would you believe that he was the Messiah? Would you look at him, put it into a modern framework? And of course, this is a little out of bounds, but I think we could do this. If you saw somebody who looked pretty much like you, like an average Joe, an average person, and you began to hear the claims of Messiahship, would you have a little bit of cynicism? Would you doubt? See, belief. And Jesus says, Look, if you don't believe me, then believe the works. And we say, Yeah, but he did do the works. He did. And there were many of the religious elite that saw his miracles and even saw him, get this, raise Lazarus from the dead. And what did they, how did they respond to that? They wanted to kill Lazarus too. He was inconvenient. You see, he was a root out of parched ground. He came to a dry humanity. He has no stately form. If you have an NIV, it says beauty or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. This is kind of shocking. Because when you read this, you think of the pictures that depict Jesus, or maybe you think of the movie Jesus of Nazareth. Do you remember that movie? That actor had the most amazing blue eyes, didn't he? And when they had him speak, he kind of spoke in this tone where, you know, it was heavenly, heavenly. And of course, Jesus, no man spoke like he ever spoke. It's true. He walked around, obviously, without sin. But when you looked at him, if you just looked at his form, there would be nothing in particular to attract you to him. Because he was fully human. These words, beauty and majesty, are just like they sound. They speak of appearance. They speak of a beautiful outward appearance. They're used of Rachel in Genesis 29 17, that she was lovely and beautiful. And it says of Jesus, he wasn't. There wasn't anything particular in his outward appearance that would make you say, he must be the Messiah. And that's part of what's woven in here the idea of his form. What would attract you to him? And he comes out of this, he's he's from the root of Jesse. He's from the line of David. He comes out of the ground, kind of the, the idea of a family tree here. He's connected to the human race. He's come to be one of us, yet he is also God. He's also divine. And when people look at him, they're not necessarily attracted to him, so much so that it says these words in verse three, he was despised, 53-3, and forsaken.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini shows A Step Closer,
1: where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into is the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade.
0: Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between, generally, 6 to 12 weeks, and you know what I mean, there's a heartbeat, There's everything's pretty much intact, the only thing that child or that baby needs is time and nutrition. It's fully formed. To
1: listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app.
0: Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And Forsaken.
1: Now, I don't know if you guys use that word despise. Hopefully, you don't do it of people, right? I suppose there's some people in history that we could despise, or at least despise what they do. But maybe what we sometimes talk about food. I despise, I don't know, what is it? What is it, liver? (laughs) Chicken? Oh, come on. Really? Anyway, but despise is a strong word, isn't it? He, get this, the God of glory who came to the earth to die for the sins of the people, what was he? Despised. What? Have you ever maybe heard that someone says, I despise you? You know, if someone said that to you, that would be about as low as you can go. He was despised. Despised. And, notice, forsaken, the NIV puts it, rejected. We all are familiar with John 1, 11. He came to his own and his own, what? Would not receive him. He is a man of sorrows. Or you could put it this way, he is the man of sorrows. But the truth is, it's not his sorrow. He was not a bummer to be around. He had the oil of gladness above his companions. And I think that he was a very joyful person. But I do think that as he was moving closer to the cross, then we know that there, there's passages that say his heart was very heavy. We look at him in the Garden of Gethsemane and we see him, Luke, saying that he was sweating as it were. Great drops of blood in agony, agonizing over the cross. He was sorrowful over the prospects of the cross as he moved closer and closer to it. But his sorrow, the man of sorrows, it's not his. Look at the next verse. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and whose sorrows? Our sorrows he carried. You see, when he came into the world, brothers and sisters, he came to carry your sorrows. What makes you cry? What's the heaviest thing on your heart tonight? What do you look at and just, it makes you sorrowful? That's what he came for. Sometimes it's stuff that you see in yourself. He came to carry that. Sometimes it's, it's things that you deal with over and over again and you, you say, and sometimes looking in the mirror, I should be over this one by now. And you get sorrowful. Or sometimes you think, ah, oh, this situation will change or the world will change or we'll finally wake up. <laughs> sorrows. You see, he was the man of sorrows because he came to bear our sorrows. The word sorrows has both a physical and mental connotation. Notice in verse three, he was acquainted, if you have an NIV, it says familiar with grief or suffering. The word familiar means to know and hence to have a personal experience of it and can also mean to be submissive to it. He was acquainted with grief and submitted himself to grief. Why? He didn't need to. He said, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. He chose to carry our sorrows. And it's amazing to me that this is God stepping into the world to do this. And sh- the word surely in verse 4 is a conjunction emphasizing the unexpected. And here's how it turns. It turns to us, it says, Surely our griefs, multiple, plural, he himself bore, and our sorrows, plural, he carried. The word bore means to take up or lift lift up. It means to bear or lift off someone. So in this case, when it says, Our griefs he bore, it has the picture of him taking the plural griefs and taking them off us and doing what? Putting them on him. If you've ever had to shoulder somebody else's burden, you kind of get the sense of what this is about. See, if it's an easy burden to shoulder, if it takes 15 minutes of my time to shoulder your burden, I'm pretty okay with that. If you're moving, don't call me. I don't want to shoulder that burden. That's why I sold my truck. <laughs> Love only goes so far. But you get, you get what I'm saying, right? Everybody say, amen. But see, he decided to shoulder our burden. He decided to shoulder our grief. And by doing so, not only does he shoulder it, but he takes, us, he takes it off us and puts it on him. And this is the great exchange of the cross in theology. He takes all, the weight of our sin and judgment and we get his righteousness and forgiveness. It's the great exchange. Yet, how did people consider him? You see, he, our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him what? stricken smitten of god and afflicted it appears that when most people looked at the cross and of course this was definitely true of the religious leaders they said he must deserve it he's under the curse of god galatians 3:13 cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree if you're the messiah come down from the cross and we'll believe in you look at him he's a mess he must really be evil because no one would be beaten that way and be that accursed unless they were a real awful person. And here's the irony. As they're saying that, he's bearing their sin. John MacArthur put it well when he said, when you look at the cross, what you need to understand is that God the Father is treating God the Son as though he had committed the collective sin sins of all humanity for all time that's the wrath that he's enduring that is the suffering and sorrow that he is bearing and i don't know how it looked through his being i don't know you know how much uh, disaster and hell he experienced in those hours but i'll tell you what people he's doing it for us
0: You've been listening to The Suffering Servant, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah fifty-two thirteen through 53, 6. If you missed any part of today's program or Parts 1 or 2, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with our listeners. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com or you can get it now. Our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. If you're ready, you can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: When you think about Isaiah 53-4, it says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be grieving again or sorrowful again. The, The grief and the sorrow that's being talked about here has to do with the grief and sorrow of our sin, all that our sin causes. You know, when you think about it, brother, sister, friend, um, you think about what sin does. Sin is to miss the mark. Sin is transgression of the law. And when we sin against God and others, there's there's hurt. Let's face it. If you think about the Ten Commandments, and we have when we have idols in our life, when we sin against a brother or sister or spouse or friend, we gossip about them. Maybe we have hurt them in some way. Look, there's a cost to sin. That's what Jesus bore, the grief and sorrow of our sin. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be sorrowful again or grieve again, but it means you can grieve with hope and you can sorrow with hope because of what Christ has done for you. This is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We have been walking through the incredible book of Isaiah And uh, as we have, I pray it's been a blessing for you. We've been telling you about another thing going on with Walk in Truth. It's minisodes that we're doing on our podcast called A Step Closer. We're dealing with the issue of Roe v. Wade, the abortion issue, very emotional. I know it divides people, but we're trying to come at it from the standpoint of both uh, a good defense of the uh, position for life, but also with grace, with grace, a testimony from a wonderful sister named Angie who's been through it and has a ministry for anybody who's gone through or experienced an abortion. Look, it's, it's a widespread thing. It's a, it's a thing that has happened in our world that needs to stop. And, uh, it's something that's an egregious thing. And yet it's something, it's a sin for which Christ died and all who have, been through it themselves can attest that they found grace in the cross of Christ. So, you know, maybe, maybe you hear about a sode on this issue and you don't want to listen because you've been through it. And maybe that's a little bit of what stirs in you, the emotion. And look, I get it. We get it. But, but check it out. It's a sode on the topic and we're going to try to be, um, you know, it's going to be, Truth filled with grace. That's the way I could put it, or truth in love. And uh, I pray that you'll tune in. It's called A Step Closer. It's a mini-sode, and uh, we're going to be doing more of this as an additional blessing, we pray for our listeners. If you'd like to uh, let us know about a topic that you're interested in for a future uh, episode of A Step Closer, uh, email us, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. Have a blessed weekend. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here next time.
0: And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. Now, whether you can give financially or not, would you please spread the word of Walk in Truth around your community? You can tell a couple people to either listen on this station or find Walk in Truth on their podcast app. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah fifty-two thirteen through 53, 6 called The Suffering Servant. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.